refreshing. But for those who are saved, it is the power of God unto salvation. I hope you never get over the fact that Jesus went to the cross. Because without that, we are a hopeless people. Thank you, Father, for sending your son to die on the cross. I'm going to ask Jimmy Murphy to start us off. Would you please, buddy? be in Revelation 3 if you want to go there. You say, oh boy, Revelation. Well, we're going to, we're going to try, okay? We're going to try. Title the message. Boy, it's a great title. I will spit you out of my mouth. And as I was, whoo, I was thinking about that. There's got to be a better way to phrase that, you know what? I mean, it just has to be. That kind of sounds kind of disgusting, doesn't it? Well, I thought about I will spew you out of your mouth. That's, that's, well, that don't sound any better. How about regurgitate out of your mouth? No, that's not even better. How about just vomit you out of my mouth? And I thought none of those sound as good as spit you out of the mouth because, you know, I, I've learned that you can never go wrong if you just wor- use the words that's in God's Word, okay? And that's the words in my translation that he uses. I will spit you out of my mouth. So, don't be offended by the title. It's hopefully to get better than that. <clears throat> if, if you're not in, in the habit of coming to Sunday school, I would urge you to think about this. Because uh, Jim French is, is leading the adult Sunday school uh, through Revelation. And uh, he is, uh, I mean, Jim's old enough to probably have been there with John when he wrote it. And he's not here, so don't tell him I said that. But he, uh, he has taken on the task of being able to teach Revelation uh, in Sunday school. So I would just urge you to do that. And I, I told him, I said, I hope I, hope I don't uh, steal your thunder that, that we're going to talk about one of the churches in, in Revelation 3. And, and he said that, that would be okay, that they wouldn't get there today anyway. So, so what I tell you today, I, I want you to remember it. And if, and if Jim tells you something different, then... Well, just remember what your pastor said, okay? <laughs> oh, goodness. All right. Let's, let's see. We're going to look at uh, uh, Revelation 3, starting in verse uh, 14. And it's the letter to Laodicea. Laodicea was one of the seven, seven churches that uh, uh, received the letter. And we want to talk about that today because I think it can be so appropriate. I mean, it's, uh, they say uh, this church is, is a picture of today's church, if you would. So we're going to look at it today and see what it, what it has to say uh, for us. Uh, I hope as we go through here that as we begin this new year that we will heed the warning that Jesus has given to this church and to all of us. And the warning is do not be lukewarm. And I hope as a church we will never be lukewarm. Because he says, for those that are lukewarm, he says, I will spit you out of my mouth. So let's look at this and and see what it has to say. See if we can pull something out of here. 
And let's read uh, starting in verse 14 and 15, and eh, we'll go to 16. It says, To the angel of the church of Laodicea, write this. And you notice if you've got a Bible, this is all in red, which means Jesus is speaking this. And he says, the second part of verse 14, it says, The Amen, the faithful and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God says this. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot nor cold. I wish that you were cold or hot. So because of your lukewarmness and not hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. We see there starting in verse 14. He says, to the angel of the church of Laodicea. This letter... um, written down by the Apostle John, uh, is what Jesus told him to write. And he's writing this letter to the angel of the church. And the angel of the church is the pastor. That's who he's writing this to. The angel of the Lord. And I got to think about that. You know, when I was a kid, my mama used to say I was just a little angel. You know? (laughs) She used to tell me that. And I got to thinking, let's see, she told me I was a little angel, and now... I wonder, should, should I start going by Angel Don? I don't, I mean, I, I'm, I'm curious here. No. <laughs> the answer is no. No. <laughs> don't go there. But he's writing this to the pastor of that church. And he says, the amen, the faithful and the, and the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God, says this. He's talking about Jesus, is he not? Jesus, as we know, is the amen. Jesus is the writer of this, of this message. And, it, and he's writing this to the, to the pastor of that church. And, and basically, as he writes to the pastor of that church, he, he is telling the pastor. He said, buddy, you are responsible. You are accountable. When, when your congregation starts getting to be lukewarm... When your congregation starts leaving their first love, when your congregation is not what they're supposed to be, angel of the church, pastor of the church, it is your responsibility and your accountability that you bring them back from their lukewarmness, that you fire them up, if you would. You, you teach them how to be committed Christians and not just lukewarm Christians. And he is, he is telling them, this is what you've got to do, pastor. So I'm saying that to say this, y'all best straighten up, okay? If I'm accountable and I'm responsible, okay, y'all pay attention here, all right? Let's get this right. All right. Amen. Amen is Jesus. The word amen means I agree or a truth has been spoken, and I agree with that. Uh, we Obviously, we say that at the end of, of praying, amen. And it's just a way of saying, yeah, I, I agree with what, what I've just heard, the truth that I have just heard. And what we see here is Jesus is that truth, is he not? He is the truth, he is the whole truth, and he is nothing but the truth. When Jesus speaks and we read his words in his in these chapters here and they're in red and they're words from Jesus, it is perfect truth. It is complete truth. It is Jesus, of course we know in John 14:6, I'm the way, the truth and the life. When Jesus speaks, it is truth. You can take it to the bank. There would never be any kind of evil or meanness 
no iota of sinfulness in whatever he says. And whatever he says, I promise you he will do because he is the faithful and the true witness in that verse 14. So we must pay attention when we see, especially we see it in red, we must pay attention, perk our ears up and go, he is speaking absolute truth. Absolute truth, perfect truth, complete truth. And we can take it to the bank that what he says he will do. It is impossible for God to lie. So he is speaking the truth. So what he says he will do. I pray for our church that we never become lukewarm. I pray that for our church that we will never get to a point where we don't trust the true and faithful witness of who Jesus is. We don't, where we're not just putting ourselves wholeheartedly into the amen, the beginning and the end as we pursue Christ in our lives as a church and as, a, as an individual. What makes up for a lukewarm church? Well, I can tell you, lukewarm people. Lukewarm people, and I'm not accusing anybody of anything. I'm not saying this church is. I'm just saying that, that Laodicea became a church that was lukewarm. They weren't hot. They weren't cold. They were just kind of just going through the motions. And my prayer as we begin a new year that we will never do that. That we'll never become that kind of a church. Jesus says in verse 15, he says, I know your deeds. Man, isn't that something? He just knows. <laughs> he knows. You can't, you can't hide it from him. You can't go in your closet and think he's not going to see. He, you can't go, I, he doesn't know what I'm thinking. Yeah, he do. Yeah, he do. He knows your heart. You know, the Bible says man looks on the outer appearance, but God looks at the heart. God knows what your heart is. God knows what you're thinking. God knows if you're truly committed or not. And he says, I know your deeds. And he said, I have this complaint against you. You're neither hot nor cold. you just kind of, kind of just lukewarm. Man, what, what, what does a lukewarm church look like? Okay, I want to give you some examples of that. And, and I'm not saying we're there. I'm just saying this could happen. You know, nobody thinks you're going to go uh, lose your first love. Nobody thinks that you're just going to get lukewarm in your, in your love for the Lord. But it could happen. So let's look at this for just a few minutes. I want to show you what, what a lukewarm church looks like. I want to show you what some lukewarm people look like. And hopefully that will never be there. The first thing I want to say to you about lukewarm church is that a church that's only committed, halfway committed to, the, to Christ. Halfway committed to the Lord. We see so many churches today that, that, that the center point of their, of their congregation and their thought process is not Christ. It is on words and it's on works, and it's on traditions, and it's on ceremonies, and, and, and all these big rituals and traditions. We've always done it that way. Man, I've heard that. Don't you ever tell me that, okay? Don't ever tell me we've always just done it that way. Because that ain't no good. We ain't happening that here. But churches do that. when They go, we just do it this way, and they have this big pomp and circumstance. And, and they do all of this to entertain people. And yet they, they don't, are not really committed to Christ and what Christ wants us to do. We must never let that happen. They think there's more to this than Christ. And the fact of the matter is a church, there's nothing more than Christ in a church. A lukewarm church is only halfway committed to Christ and the other half is doing the works of this world. The second thing I would like to show you is a lukewarm church 
they're only halfway committed to proclaiming that Jesus is the Son of God. See, they just, people just don't want to do that. 1 John 2, says this, Who is a liar but the man who denies that Jesus is a Christ? This is the Antichrist, the one who denies the Father and the Son. There are churches out there that say Jesus was a good teacher, that he was a good prophet. He did a few nice things out there, but he's not the Son of God, surely not. How could he be? I can't explain how all that works, they say. And because I can't explain it, it must not be true. And we see churches that, that don't proclaim that Christ is the Son of God. We don't, they don't proclaim that Christ is just God himself. And if you remember, a couple of weeks ago, we talked about it in our Christmas message, that if, if Jesus is not God, if Jesus is not deity, then, then Jesus was not sinless. And if he's not sinless, we have no blood atonement. And with no blood atonement, we have no forgiveness. And without no forgiveness, we have no hope of heaven. Without God coming down this earth in the form of Jesus, Jesus, God himself, taken on human flesh, we are people that have no hope. There are churches out there that are only committed halfway to the point that, yeah, maybe, but he's, he, he's just a son. He's just a good teacher. Don't ever let that happen to our church. The third thing I want to show you about, about uh, uh, a lukewarm church, they're only halfway committed to teaching the Word of God. They're only halfway committed to teaching the Word of God. See, a, a hot church, if you would, will teach the whole gambit of God's Word. There is a, a feeling out today, uh, and I've heard this, that one of the largest denomination churches in, in America uh, say that the Old Testament is not relevant anymore. How could God's Word that has been inspired by Him not be relevant how could it be that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth in Genesis 1, 1, and that not be irrelevant? How can it be, come, come quickly, Jesus, come quickly in Revelation 22? How could that not be relevant? How could it not be relevant when we see God's love for his people? How can it not be that we see God's holiness and that one day God will have to bring judgment upon people? How can, we, how can we not say that is relevant? How can we not say that, that Moses was not the man that he was? How can we not say that, that, that the thread, the red thread that runs through the Old Testament is Jesus and how Jesus appeared, and we're learning this on Wednesday night, how he appeared to the prophets and how he appeared to people through the Old Testament, and we say that's not relevant. Man, if you ever hear that, if you're ever in a church that, that says this book is not relevant, that all uh, Scripture has not been inspired, I'd say get out the back door as fast as you can because that is a lukewarm church. That is a church that is not preaching the gospel of Jesus. It is relevant because God spoke it into existence and he inspired those prophets to write it. second thing I hear sometimes from from different churches is we don't use the word sin. I can't talk about sin, that that little three-letter word, that that's offensive to most people, sin. So they don't use the word sin. They don't use the cross like we listen to. They don't talk about the cross because that is offensive. And that's foolishness, they say, because it is to the unbeliever. That's just foolishness. Sin, the cross, nobody wants to hear about that. Well, yeah, they do. 
Because without the sin and the cross, we'll have no salvation. You see, we have churches today that preach that. We have churches today that will preach, this is your best life now. Well, I'm here to tell you, no, it's not. Because when I take my last breath here, my first breath of heaven, I'm going to tell you that it's going to be so much better than down here. So much better than down here. This is not my best life. And I don't want it to be. For the unbeliever, your best life. You've got that, buddy. But for the Christian, no. We have eternity to have the best life. Do not go to a church that pre- does not preach sin and the cross. You see, we, we, we are in a generation now that says the culture needs to change the message. And we see churches all over America today that the culture and the society is changing what's coming from that pulpit. That is not wrong. That is not right. That is completely wrong. You see, the message is designed to change the culture, not the culture to change the message. We live in a world that, that, that God says this is an abomination. But we say, it's okay, it's good. We live in a world that says sin is okay. God's word says, no, it's not. We live in a world that says this is wrong. The world says, no, it's not. The world says, yes, God's word says no. And see, churches are all doing that, fitting, fitting their gospel into society, fitting their gospel into culture. And the Bible says that's just, that's just either a cold church or a lukewarm church because they're not teaching what the Bible says about the gospel. May this church never do that. May we continue to preach the word of God and to teach the word of God just like it is written in his word. A lukewarm church is only halfway committed to evangelism and missions. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen. go ye therefore to all nations. But the lukewarm church says, uh, no, missions are kind of a long way over there. I don't know those folks. Those folks don't look like me. They don't have the same color skin of me. I'm not worried about them. I'm not worried about evangelism. I, I mean, if I'm saved, so, you know, good luck to you. And the lukewarm church has, says nothing about, about salvation to people. It says nothing about you're a sinner and you need a Savior. The lukewarm church is not involved in, in evangelism and, and, and missions. It's not important. And yet we see in Matthew 28, he tells us to go ye therefore in all nations. The lukewarm church is committed to stressing pure and holy living, or at least halfway. You see, when we became born again, when we, became, when we gave our heart and life to Jesus, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, therefore, any man is in Christ. He is a new creation. When you got saved, the Bible will tell you, you got a new heart. You got a changed heart. You no longer look at the world like you used to before you were saved. And if you do, I'm going to say this in love, but you're not saved. Because you see, you see, when you got saved, God gave you a new purpose in life. And that purpose was to serve him. He gave you a new plan. He gave you, a, this is my plan for your life. I want you to follow it. 
He gave you a new priority to love the Lord God with all your heart and soul and your mind. And he gave you a new passion to love God and to love others. And you see, you see, when you guys say that all that's happened to you, you got all of that. And believer, that is, we must be promoting that. We must be living that. We must be accepting that, that, that I have been changed. My life has been changed. And I'm going to live a changed life. You got to. Because if, you're, if you claim to be born again and you haven't changed here, you're not born again. And we see people that are deceived all the time. I can do all the good works I want to. Did your heart get changed when you walked down that aisle? Well, no, I'm still kind of the same old, same old bird I was. Brother and sister, you're not saved. That's between you and God, I know, but I'm just telling you. You have to have been changed from the inside out. I pray this church will never become a lukewarm church. Because those are some characteristics of that. And none of those look very good to me. None of those look like what the Bible says. So I pray we will never go that way. The, the, uh, the lukewarm church is all about society and all about culture. And fitting in instead of telling folks they're a sinner in need of a Savior. Telling folks that Jesus came and died and rose again and because of that he paid your debt. We've got to be a church that proclaims the gospel, proclaims Christ in everything that we do. Well, that's a picture of the lukewarm church. How about the picture of the lukewarm believer? Okay. Well, let's see. Let's see what it says. The lukewarm believer, number one, he's not committed to coming to church, church attendance. Bible says in Hebrews 10.25, do not forsake the assembling of yourself. That is kind of a kind of a commandment. And yet the lukewarm person said it's not important that I come every day. It's not important that I come Sundays. It's more of an option than a priority. It's just an option that I come. And 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 if I don't come, if I don't come this Sunday, there's always next Sunday. Well, we don't know that, but in our minds we think that. And, and, and assembling and coming together and, and having fellowship with, with other believers, having fellowship with other people that have the same like thoughts that we have as, as being uh, part of the body of Christ and having fellowship and talking and have the, have the pastor have to blow a horn to get you quiet before you start. Okay, that's good stuff. And, and as born-again believers, that is, that is our desire to be in the house of the Lord on Sunday. But the lukewarm believer says, no, I, got, I, got, I got some better things to do. And I understand some Sundays, I get that. I understand I'm not talking about that. I, I, I've, I've talked to a friend of mine who has told me before. He says, you know, he said, I don't decide on Sunday morning if I come to church or not. I don't decide when I get up if I'm coming. He said, I've already decided. I, I, I decided a way long time ago that I'm going to come to church. Because it's important. A lukewarm Christian says, nah, it's not all that important. I got better things to do. It's like a thing for a lukewarm Christian. Not, oh boy, here it goes. Not committed to financially supporting the church. I don't say much about that, do I? I haven't, I've not ever preached on tithing. But a lukewarm Christian would say, nah, it's my money. You know, even though Malachi 3.10 says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. 
mean, even though that's God's word says that. And yet it's my money. I worked hard for it. I don't want to, I can't give it. I can't, couldn't pay all my bills if I, if I tithe, if I gave it all to the church. And I'm, and I'm just going to tell you just a quick note here. If you don't give it to the Lord, it, he'll get it some way. <laughs> he'll get it some way. In some sort of a, of a bill, he'll get it from a uh, broken down car. He'll, he'll get it some way. He says, bring all the tithes into the storehouse. A lukewarm Christian will say, I'm not committed to doing that. A lukewarm Christian is not interested in witnessing about the need for salvation. Matthew 10, 32 and 33 says it this way. Everyone who confesses me before men, I will confess him before the Father who is in heaven. But whoever does not confess me before men, I will deny him before my Father who is in heaven. Are you interested in seeing people saved? Are you interested in seeing people how God sees people? I mean, that's a, that's, a, that's a big statement right there. Are you interested in seeing people how God sees people? I mean, we can look at people there and go, winner, loser. Hey, he's poor. Nah, I don't like the way he dresses. And we judge people. And that's not good. You see, God sees people differently, doesn't he? He sees people as one that have been saved by the blood of Christ. And he says, he sees the other people as a sinner who is in need of a Savior. You see, that's how God sees people. And, and if you ever want to progress, I believe, as a Christian, as a person that wants to witness, that's how you've got to see people. That we come in contact every day with a whole bunch of folk that says, I, I don't say this, but I know that you're not a believer. I know you're a sinner. And I know how to solve your problem. And that is through Jesus. And yet so many times as, as a lukewarm person, we have no desire to, uh, to see someone else into the kingdom of God. May that never be in your hearts and in your minds. Another characteristic of a lukewarm person is he's not committed to Bible study. Not committed to prayer. You see, it's just, it's just not, I, I, I know enough of the Bible. <laughs> I know you do. So do I. I don't know near enough. You see, God, as, as, a, as a follower of Christ, he will give you a passion to study his word. He'll give you a passion to want to read his word. He will give you a passion to spend time in his word. And I promise you, the more you spend time in his word, the more you're going to want to spend time in his word. I mean, it's just the way it works. I mean, I, I find myself as I'm reading and meditating, looking at this stuff, I want to go to the next chapter too. I want to go to the next chapter too. I want to just keep going because I want to see what, and you say, well, I don't understand all of it. Well, I don't either. But I can tell you who can teach you the, the Bible, and that's the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit says, I will teach truth to you if you are seeking truth from his word. I'll teach you. Man, I would urge you, I, I, I don't understand, and that's okay, but I'm telling you, if you seek the answers, you will come up with your answer. That's just the way he is, okay? How are we doing on that list? If, if, if you hear them, them kids out there, okay, they're not running amok, all right? And, and just be careful. If these walls start crumbling, I would urge you to run to the center, because what they're doing, they're learning about Joshua and Jericho who fit the battle of Jericho. 
and they're walking around here, and I think a trumpet's going to sound here in just a minute. So just beware if this starts collapsing. Uh, I'll meet you guys outside is what I'll do, okay? <laughs> if I'm out of here. I don't know. It might be the trumpet of the Lord. When you hear the trumpet, it might be him. Maybe the rapture's here. I don't know. But that's what, it's, what, what they're doing. Jesus said, it would be better if you were cold or hot. It would be better if you were cold for Christ than to be lukewarm. Gosh, does that make sense? He says, he says, I wish that you were cold or hot, but because not, I wish you were cold. Because you see, a cold Christian who professes to be Christian is not living the Christian life, not walking in a manner worthy of the calling, the Bible says. You're not, you're not spreading light, you're spreading darkness. And people see the way you live and they go, well, I know he goes to church and man, he's doing that. Jesus said, I'd rather you be cold. I'd rather you be an unbeliever than to profess Christ and not live the life that you're supposed to live. Don't do that. And then he says, he says on top of that, he says a lukewarm church and a lukewarm person, the thing about them is they don't know they have a need. You know, if, if you're cold towards the things of God, you know it. If you're fired up for the Lord, you know it. But a lukewarm Christian, he goes, yeah, I'm, I'm good. It's all good. I'm, I'm accepted. I, I'm content. I'm patient. I, I got everything that I need. And, and, they, and, and the lukewarm Christian never moves off a high center. <coughs> Excuse me. Never moves towards getting hot again, if you would. And some of that, I think, sometimes we get so used to hearing preachers preach. I think we get used to, and, and maybe not as sensitive to the calling of the Holy Spirit. And, and we hear this stuff over and over, and it, just, and it doesn't affect us like it should be affecting us. Or maybe we have quenched the Spirit, the Holy Spirit in our lives, where we know we're supposed to go do something for the Lord. And we say no, and we say no, and we say no. And it's just not, it just doesn't seem to just grab us anymore. I know it was about four, four or five years ago, I, I preached a kind of evangelistic message in here uh, from the Old Testament. And, and uh, uh, no response, you know, nobody, invitation time, no response. And, you know, that's fine. I, I, that's okay. But about four months later, I went, when I went to Zimbabwe, I preached the very same message, the very same message. 22 people, Jimmy knows, 22 people responded to the Lord from that message. You see, why, why, would, why would they respond and why do people in America don't want to respond? Because people in America, we're content and we're satisfied and we're good to go. But the people in Zimbabwe, they know they have a need. They know they have nothing, they're poor, and they have needs. And when the gospel is presented to them, they know they have a need. And when they know they have a need, they're willing to jump on that and find a solution for that need. And 22 came that night. They're sitting on the floor. They're sitting in a building that has no windows. Openings. Had no doors in the back. Had no air conditioning. Plastic chairs, if they found one, they could sit in there. They had a need that night. And they responded to that need. You see, that's what it's all about, isn't it? We get too wrapped up in our own goodness. I'm, I'm good to go, boys. 
And yet we, we forget that we still have needs. And that need is a Savior. And he gives us this warning. I've got to move quick. <clears throat> In verse 16. He says, because you're lukewarm, I will spit you out of my mouth. There it is. I will spit you out of my mouth. 17 kind of says why. If you look at 17. You look at 17 and it says, because you say I am rich and I have become wealthy and I have need of nothing. We can get that way in America. I got everything I need. I pay my bills. I'm good to go. I don't need so much to depend on the Lord for my daily sustenance. I'm doing my own thing. I'm good. I, I, I can figure out the problem that I got. And I'll, I'll, I'll be back with you, Lord, on Sunday. You see, that's exactly what they were doing. said, I, I've got it all together. I'm rich. I'm wealthy. I have nothing in need. And yet, what does Jesus say about him? You keep reading that verse. He, he doesn't talk very nice to him. He says, because they're so lukewarm, he said, no, 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 no. You, you think you're something. He said, no, you're nothing but wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. You see, we've got to get to a point in our lives where we understand who we are, that we're sinners in need of a Savior. These folks at this church could never do that, but then they were thus lukewarm. I like verse 18. <laughs> it's, kind of, it's kind of, verse 18, I, and I don't know if I've ever seen this in the Bible, where Jesus says, I advise you. <laughs> let, me, let me give you a word of advice. I mean, I've never seen it phrased like that. Maybe there is, but I've never seen that. Let me give you some advice, Jesus says. He says, you're lukewarm. He says, why don't you buy from me gold refined by fire so that you may become rich? What's he telling them there? The gold of the physical world will never bring you happiness. The gold that was refined from the cross, the salvation that we have, will be the only thing that will ever bring you love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness. He said that. Let me give you some advice. If you want, you want wealth, find it in spiritual wealth. Find it in me, he would say. Second thing he says in, on his advice chart there. He says, and, and, and white garment so that you may clothe yourself. Laodicea was known as a, as a place that, that manufactured all over the world black wool clothing. And Jesus says, that you, you, you're not going to get it there. You're going, but you need the white robe of righteousness. You need the white robe that when, when Christ went to the cross and, he, and you got saved, that he exchanged your sinfulness for his righteousness. And when you stand before the Father on that great glorious day, you'll be clothed in a white garment, clothed with righteousness. And it says you won't be you, you won't, and that the shame of your nakedness will not be revealed. For the unbeliever, they will be naked. They will be revealed. They will be shown at their time. And then he says, put eye salve on your eyes so that you can see. Church, he says, church, don't be deceived. Open your eyes. See what, see what the world's doing to you. See what your wealth is doing to you. See what your self-sufficiency is doing to you. Open your eyes and see that you're being deceived. Open your eyes and say you're lukewarm, that you're not where you need to be. You're not on fire for the Lord. But you know the good news, uh, Jesus, when, when we are lukewarm, when a church is lukewarm, we look at the next verse in 19. 
He says, but you know what? I still love you. I still love you. If you are lukewarm, I still love you. And then he says what? He says, I still love you. And he says, I want you to repent. If I love you, I will chastise you. I will discipline you. But I want you to repent. I want you to repent. If I, as I looked over that list of lukewarm people, if more than one of those might have hit you, Jesus would say, I want you to repent of that. Confess that. I just love you. I want you, to, I want you to get the refined gold of spiritual wealth that I have for you if you'll just confess and make me Lord and Savior. Jesus says, I love you. Jesus says, I love you and I will reprove you. Jesus says, I am the truth. I'm telling you the truth because I'm the true and faithful witness. What I speak is truth to you. He says, you know, church, I don't want you to be lukewarm. People, I don't want you to be lukewarm. I don't want you being deceived from this old world. I want your eyes open. I don't want to have to spit you out of my mouth. I don't want to have to tell you Uh, depart from me I never knew you he didn't want to do that he didn't want to do that he just says I just want you to repent just repent confess it give it to him repent let him cleanse cleanse you let him take your brokenness and let him heal your brokenness let him take away the guilt of your sin and just let him forgive you and take that off the old shoulders of guilt and just let him take it off you can walk around now not carrying that burden not dragging that traitor behind you of guilt Bible says he wants to do that. And then that great verse in verse 20. What a a great verse. He says, "If if you're lukewarm, you've never been born again. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. What door is he talking about? He's not talking about the church door. I guess it could be. He's talking about the door of your heart. If you're cold, never been a, been a believer, if you're lukewarm, he said, I'm standing at your door of your heart knocking. And he says, you know, if you'll ever just open that door, he's not going to bust in because he's a gentleman. He's not going to bust in. But if you invite him in, the Bible says he will come in and, and, and sup with you and dine with you, and he'll come into your hearts, and you can have a relationship with him. And he's standing there today just doing this. Come on, open the door. Come on, open that door. Open that door. Because I am not against you, he says. I am for you. And the thing that he wants to give to each of us is his love, his joy, his peace, his patience, all that kind of thing of the Holy Spirit. We serve a great God. If, if you are lukewarm today, I can promise you you can get hot today with the Lord. He says, repent. If there's areas in this church that we need to look at that, that we're not doing, that falls on me, we need to repent. God has nothing but the best for us if we would just let him give us the best. Don't be lukewarm in your life. Don't be lukewarm as you come to church. Don't, don't have him say, I'll spit you out of my mouth if you are. We don't have to be. He doesn't want us to be. He, he's all for us. Trisha, as we begin.
Invitation time. What a great God that we serve. He says, I know your deeds. He says, I know your thoughts of every person in this room. <laughs> I know the heart of every person in this room. You can't fool him. You can't fool him. So be honest with him. Jesus says, I'm the true faithful witness. Just be honest with him. As we close our eyes and bow our heads for invitation, man, I just, I just want to encourage you. Man, if, if you've wandered away from the path that you know you're supposed to be on, just repent of that. If you're lukewarm about your approach to your Christian faith, just repent of that. Tell him. Let him get you going back in the right way. He wants the best for you. Let him have his way in your life, if you would, please.